Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Once I played a penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Because it's recently deceased A real cool mom Musical version of Tina Fey Tina Fey Now come with me and fly I am your host, Miss Carrie Butler Together you and I are breaking Welcome back to Breaking Broadway. I am so excited to have my dear friends, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, the amazing songwriting team for so many shows. Uh, Smash, named to me one. I worked with them on Catch Me If You Can and Hairspray, the huge hit. Currently, their work can be seen on Broadway in Some Like It Hot, which I saw and was amazing. You all have to see it. We'll talk a little bit about it. But they've also had incredible careers outside from being this songwriting team. Uh, so welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi, guys. Um, so I'm going to, I always like to have my guests kind of tell their journey um, oh. through finding theater and how they first fell in love with theater and saw how did they got to where they are right now. So I know you both have had incredible stories and journeys. <laughs> so who wants to start first? Uh, Scott, I'll you go, go first. first. I'm always okay. first. When man. I was very little, my father uh, took... To <laughs> <laughs> okay. My father took okay, me to go. see a burlesque show. Uh, and Oh and, my gosh! And I was fascinated by the uh, feathers and sequins and all of that so much so that I I, I tried to push that into catch me if you can because uh, so, yes <laughs> um, and <laughs> then I, and then for a very long time I was an apprentice you know like I worked for no money in a summer theater I I washed uh, Lana Turner's underwear you know I was her dress all of wow. that which eventually sent me to college 
And then I moved to New York and met Mark and we started writing. So that's the... Did you know what you wanted to do in theater or did you just think, I have to be in theater? I just had to be in theater. I I, I would, you know, at the bus stop, I would would have the big volume of Shakespeare and people thought I was nuts. And I would do Tennessee (laughs) Williams plays in the backyard and charge admission. So I was pretty ballsy, I guess. Did you originally want to be an actor? Well, I, I think I did. I think I wanted to d- dance. I, I studied dance and oh. I auditioned for things. And I, I, kept, I remember I kept auditioning back then, to, like in, for Pippin as a replacement, you know, in dance. A, and I never got it. I got far, but I, I never got it. So then I realized if you can't work with like Bob Fosse or that, why what was the point? So I, I realized I was happier on the on the other side of the table. Oh, and you went to college for yeah, theater too, to, right? Or you I for went a little to Emerson, bit? Yeah, in Boston. Yeah. We just looked at that for, oh, for you my did. daughter. It's a great. Well, it's huge now. <laughs> yeah. They own the Colonial Theater, uh-huh. which back then when I went to yeah. college, it was. I saw a little night music there, you know what I mean, before it went to New York and stuff. And how was how was that experience at it Emerson? It was great. Uh, I met a lot of like-minded people. And f- same friends I, I have today. It's a small group. Yeah, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And um, uh, it was great. And, and so it, I... I I, teachers encouraged me to to explore that other side, which was you know, directing and writing and 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 putting on, on on shows. So I got to direct a lot of shows there. Yes, and actually, Scott directed my cabaret, yes. and he's directed uh, Patty Lapone's cabaret and Martin Short's <laughs> Fame Becomes Me. I've done a lot. In fact, Patty just left here yesterday because. Uh, we're doing a whole new concert, all new songs, all new everything at Carnegie Hall next March. So we to get a head start on it, there's a lot of lyrics to learn. So we just put that, I mean, I've been putting it together for a while, but we just worked for the entire week on it. So. Oh, awesome. Um, and Mark, tell us about your journey to theater. I auditioned to play piano. Uh, there were two ladies in my township Scotch Plains, New Jersey, and we no one was putting on musicals. Our junior high and high school, like when I hear everyone talking about, oh, I was I played the lead in my high school musical. For some reason, my town was like footloose. <laughs> I mean, uh, they just weren't doing that. And so these mm-hmm. two ladies, thank God for them, who had theatrical backgrounds and had moved to suburbia, they started doing the summer theater musical workshop. And I went and I auditioned. The first show that I uh, went, they were doing The Sound of Music. How old were you? I think I was seventh grade going into eighth or maybe sixth going to seventh. Yeah. Well, everyone was. This was all for kids. And, um, and I, 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 Scott has heard me say it a million times, but I, you know, the woman named Judy Cole was in charge. And I said, Can I audition to play piano? And she said, There's the piano, kid, play it. And I went over to the piano. And meanwhile, because there was no music in my schools, no one had ever heard me play. Only like my aunts and uncles or friends of my of my parents. And I was like this crazy whiz, like Mozart of show business. Uh, not Mozart on, on, on the great level, but on the on the you know. And so I sat down and played. And I still remember when I turned around. And everyone who was in the auditorium was just silent, staring at me. 
And I still remember what that looked like and how it felt. And that was it. I was hooked. And, you know, it's funny. I'm. It's, Scott's going to actually pr- probably projectile vomit when he hears me say again <laughs> that I'm toying with writing a book. And I've actually oh. been, for the last two weeks, I've been just really at it. And I went and found all this stuff in, in, our, in the garage, you know, where we, everyone keeps everything. And uh, I just... I can't remember what I was about to say. <laughs> Isn't that sad? About your book. But, uh, It'll be yeah, a great so, book then. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I found all the programs from all those shows. and Oh, I know what I was going to say is I found my report cards. My mother had once gave me like a big box of all the stuff that she had saved. And you see like first through sixth grade, I'm a very good student. And then suddenly the report, because I can't believe my parents didn't, maybe they did and I don't remember, but these report cards literally said, Mark is failing. He's doing terribly. He could do so much better, but he doesn't concentrate. Well, that's because I had suddenly been bit by the theater bug and the music bug and harmony. And suddenly when I was in junior high and could play at the auditorium and there were girls in the chorus and I could do, come here, sing this three-part harmony I have in my head for this. And so music and theater exploded in my life and everything else fell to the wayside. Uh, and did that's how I got have, it. Did you have lessons for piano? Yeah, I took piano lessons like any, you know, I, you know any kid. Uh, my so mother, before you played for them, yeah. Yeah, my mother told me, Scott and I were honored uh, at Carnegie Hall, remember? And mm-hmm. um, my mother only told me that afternoon that my sister was taking piano lessons and I was too little. And my sister went out to play after the piano lesson. My mother said to the piano teacher, uh, Miss Andrews, come on up and have a cup of coffee. And they were up in the kitchen and they heard my sister's piano lesson being played. But they had also heard my sister go outside. So they came down the stairs and looked around the corner. And there I was playing it by ear. So I, I, I never heard that story, but that's why they put me into piano lessons a little earlier than most kids, I guess. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so you really did have a special gift. You just like didn't even have a lesson and you could already oh, play. Oh, definitely had, had a gift. Yes, yes. Okay, and then tell the story about like one of your first professional jobs. Wasn't it with Bette Midler? Who, me? Yeah, well, um, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, that that is the ultimate fairy tale story in my life is that I idolized Bette Midler. Her records came on when I was around 13. She first came on the radio with Boogie Woogie, Bugle Boy, or it'd be mm-hmm. on The Tonight Show. And her first two albums, I was obsessed. And I had the posters and I, I was just, you know, I was an obsessive fan of Bette Midler. And then and then to make a really long story short, because I, <laughs> um, I met Scott by chance. I was on the street with a friend from New Jersey. I, we'd gone to see a show. I we stepped into this little bar that we ran into some other friends. We stepped into this bar, and it turned out to be Marie's Crisis, which is a kind of oh. legendary piano bar. I was only sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> and you, I. You met- when he was 16? Yeah, How so old are you, Scott? I, I, little, well, he's little, five years older, older than me. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'll zoom through this. Yeah. So I, I there was a piano bar. There was no one in there. I shouldn't have been there. I was 16, but it was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I started playing the piano. The bartender, like out of an old black and white movie, stopped sweeping 
and said, hey, kid, you're good. Wait right here. There's some people next door who need a new piano player. And that was Scott, who was directing a comedy review at the duplex. Which used to be next to Marie's the, Crisis, the, the original uh-huh. one. And they, they barreled in. They said, can you play together wherever we go cheesy? And I said, you mean like at a bar mitzvah? <laughs> wherever we go, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you're hired. And that was it. And Scott lived across the hall from one of Bette Midler's backup singers. And to make a very long story short, because I was right there and knew the harmonies that they would want to do when, when her backup girls were named the Harlets and they had just come off tour and they wanted to do, keep working with each other as their own act, the Harlets. And there I was, maybe I had turned 17 by the time I met them and I became their musical director. Bet said, girls come back on tour with me and I'll let you open my show. And before I even turned 18, I think I still was 17. I was flown to L.A., put the girls' show on, and then met Bette Midler, and she put me in her pocketbook and brought me, and I stayed at her. pocketbook, but she put you in it. No. (laughs) 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 To to make that point, she, instead of putting me in a hotel, she brought me uh, to her home and put me in her guest room. And I stayed, wow. I stayed during the rehearsals but for that act cool. and then worked with her every night. I sat between, uh, beside me and her uh, and Tom Waits. She was great friends with at the time. And Tom Waits was writing brilliant song after brilliant song. And he came over and taught her and me this great song called Rainbow Sleeves that you should sing, Gary Butler. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Perfect, I'm writing it down. for you. Rainbow Sleeves. Hang okay. on to my rainbow sleeves. It's so okay. beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so that was it. My, I had the greatest dream you could imagine come true within a year. Mm. And then how it's long all been until downhill started... ever since. <laughs> <laughs> how long until you started composing for movies? Because that was your next step, right? No, no, we wrote a well, show. Next... We, yeah. We, we, yeah. Oh, that's right. We, we had a, there was a club. At, uh, this is a little later, fast forward. And uh, there was a club on the Lower East Side in a basement of a Polish Catholic church. It was called Club 57. And it had sort of like-minded people um, that we all felt we were too theatery for rock and roll and too rock and roll for theater. And But this is also a club of, of, of artists like Keith Haring and Jean-Michel Basquiat. Mm-hmm. They would, this is where they first started showing. And I would- Wait, did you know yeah, that? I would, well, they, they, they were- they were the oh, art no. crowd, but I we we each had oh. a night say, and, and I would used to say, "Tell oh. Keith he's got to get these paintings out of here because I'm doing the sound and music." So it was <laughs> like that. And anyway, we decided we wanted to write an original music. We we had we had done you know plays without getting the rights, and then we said, Let, "Let's <laughs> write a musical." And we wrote a musical about Barbie and Ken. Uh, Right. How they met on the beach of Waikiki. Um, so it, uh, it had Chatty Cathy and GI Joe and and um, you were ahead of Mitch your time. Everything, yeah. So forty it, years. It was, uh, it was called Living <laughs> Dolls, and so um, at at that time, people started coming to see all the shows. Like you know, there'd be a lot of uh, people on heroin, and there'd also be like. Nichols and Joe Papp and and then um, Mark was working on a show at the public theater so that people would come and Richard Maltby came and he said I think you should move this show uptown so we we 
we went uptown to the moved it to the Manhattan Theater Club, and Richard Malpe used to have to give oh. us a cab fare to get back and forth from it because we had we had no money. Wow. <laughs> We'll be back with Breaking Broadway right after this message. Hey, anybody out there from Indianapolis, I am going to be doing a few concerts at The Cabaret. I would love to meet you. Go to www.thecabaret.org for tickets. I'll be there from October 5th to the 7th. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So then did you, when did you start composing for movies? So, well, so, well, I mean, there were all these other musicals. And, and, and during the 80s, we were just writing one musical after another. Scott and I wrote Living Dolls. Then we also wrote. Was Linda Hart in yes, that one? Yes. She was when it went I to Manhattan so. Theater Club and in LA. She yeah. Didn't. And then we wrote a, a show with our friend Laura Kenyon, who's a great Broadway actress and singer. She was a nine. We wrote at a the show time called and, uh, you know. yeah, Trilogy of Terror. Uh, I wrote with other people. I had already written a musical before writing with Scott. I had written with someone else when I was still a teenager, but in New York. Mm. And uh, there were all these shows, but not, none of them had ever, you know, made the big time. Uh-huh. And then when Bette Midler and Billy Crystal, who I had met at Saturday Night Live and really hit it off with, and I started playing for him on tour, and both of their film careers took off at the same time, and suddenly Billy had introduced me to Rob Reiner, and I was working on When Harry Met Sally, and Bette brought me out to L.A. to work on Beaches, to choose help choose the songs for Beaches, and When Harry Met Sally was this huge hit, and... Harry Connick Jr. sang and played, and I arranged and chose the songs, and that album was huge. And mm-hmm. then the album for Beaches that I had co-produced and picked you know, songs for was huge, and I had brought Bet Wind Me With My Wings, and I really mm-hmm. earned my stripes there. And then suddenly just f- fell in my lap was a film scoring career, and for the next 10 years... So we moved to L.A., we moved yeah. to LA, but it was also right. at a time. It was the it was the eighties, and 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 it was like being in a country that was at war, and because half the people we knew, and it was all artists and writers and talented people, were dying, and it, it was a it was a, like a whole generation. Mm. They were the first to go, and so New York mm. became very very haunted, in a way, and so we we like we got in our covered wagon. And went to L.A. So, so you went from starving artist to actually like making a good living, huh? Well, in LA. I spent. I, yeah, I, but- I didn't. I just spent the money. 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> I gave the money. He spent it. It worked out well that way. I mean, the only thing I wanted to do I was mean, theater, and theater in LA is for people oh. who can't get work on television. So, uh, you know, oh. like I directed one show there where on uh, on opening night, the guy got a part, a small part on Married with Children and said, I can't be in the show tonight. So he said, that's it for you. No more theater here. So so Scott was miserable there. I learned because, how to, because I did of that. learn how to drink and drive. That, that was a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we had a beautiful house and a great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had a, a wonderful yeah. life, but but we weren't mm-hmm. getting to exercise the musical theater part of ourselves. And then, luckily, I did the movie South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, right at the end mm-hmm. of the '90s. And it was I was really burnt out, but thank God that was the movie I did before I got really burnt out. And because of that, Margot Lyon was at the same time asking people around Broadway. Who should I get to do the score for Hairspray? I just bought the rights to Hairspray. And everyone had just seen South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and said, Mark Shaman. Right before I went to L.A., there was an article about me in the New York Times about, like, you know, New York's loss is L.A.'s gain. And, like, why didn't this article come out earlier? So (laughs) then uh, 10 years later, all those, you know, it it all happened. Uh, Margot called and said, I don't know you, and I, I I don't want to go see the South Park movie because, as you remember, Margo, that was not her kind of thing. But she says, everyone's telling me that I should get you to write the music. So would you like to write the music to Hairspray? And I was like, yes. It was like a lifeline. And then she said, well, who would you want to write the lyrics? And now more than a lifeline, it was just this was the whole boat was I said, mm. I will only do it if it's me and Scott writing the lyrics because I knew I knew I couldn't do it with anyone else. And mm-hmm. Scott and I love John Waters. We were the first yes. online for every John Waters movie. So she said, well, I don't know you guys as lyricists, so would you write some sh- songs on spec? And Scott, I'll let you um, Yeah, talk. so so we, wa- we we sat down. We were in Laguna Beach back then, and, and we sat down. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the movie, and I said it should open like Oklahoma, like, uh, like you know, oh, what a beautiful morning, only it's good morning, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And so, and things. So we wrote four songs to, and sent them off to Margot, and um, and they were all still in the show. So and you know them well. Yeah, they became they became like you know the tent the poles, tent right. poles of the show. Uh, Good morning, Baltimore. Welcome to the '60s. Big blonde and beautiful, and I know where I've been. We thought wow. with those four songs, we were kind of like, okay, here's what we think the show is. And it's kind of amazing. It doesn't happen much to, the, to you, have, you know, the first songs that, that you write. That was fast. Yeah. That yeah. whole process was fast, you know, because um, Rob Marshall was the original director and we, we had, you know, he had developed a lot of it with us. And then um, even when things went askew, some, something better happened in a way, you know, Rob all of a sudden uh-huh. said, I, I, I'm working on this version of chicago i I said oh that's never going to get made they've been trying for 30 years (laughs) lo and behold that went so then came jack and then came and jerry jack o'brien so and then then, you know we did a reading of the first act just for uh um 
for uh, John for Waters. John Waters, and and he was very touched. He was he cried. We often say the tears were black, but they they were there. And it was such a bittersweet experience for him because of his friendship mm-hmm. with Divine. And so anyway, he would he very much loved the show, and everyone did. And and uh, and Carrie, when did you come aboard? I don't remember which reading. Yeah. I didn't come until I think the third, because the first one you had, I think you had Kristen Kristen Bell Bell play Penny. No, she was in the ensemble. ensemble. She wasn't even Penny. Oh, I know that you then cut Penny out of the show for the second draft. Yes, that was, yeah. And then John Waters came and was like, you can't not have Penny in the show. Yeah, Scott and I were, yeah, that was someone else's idea to cut Penny (laughs) out, to make the audience Penny, basically, and have Tracy, you know, relate to the audience. And we were like, no, 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 no. Uh, but then I guess you were involved in maybe the just the so last reading. I came in the reading. third. Remember I came that, in the third. I were think, you at that with reading, Jackie? With Jackie, yeah. yes, I, yes. Because I knew we we were we were some of the last people. Because to be I knew cast. Jackie yeah. from from she used to do these shows at La Mama with David Sedaris and Amy Sedaris, and I was such a huge fan of those shows. And I suggested that Jackie come and read the stage directions at the one of the readings. And, and then oh. that part got bigger and bigger as it went on. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you did the one. I remember we all went. Remember we all went to see James Brown. Were you in that one? No, oh, oh I missed God. that one. I, I, no, you see, see, I think you came in in the last reading, the big one at which the was, West Bend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did that. I thought I did the last two. Weren't there four altogether? Yeah, over two years, which is amazing when you think now it's. Yeah, that yeah, is true. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you made the whole show just over two years. Pretty much from yeah. page to stage, you have to see it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and people always ask me, you know, what is my favorite show that I've done? And they're all your babies, <laughs> and you love them all. But I do always say Hairspray because it was such a special experience, and I feel like it was the Hamilton of the right. day. You know, and where. We were on everything. And also we were such a family and all loved each other and like going on this journey ride together. Um, do you all, what do you feel like is I your mean, favorite? Obviously that's the baby, you know, but, and, but also I, yeah. you know, viv- so vividly remember those, I, I mean, uh, uh, some, some unpublishable times in Seattle on those crazy <laughs> parties. Carrie, where are you even? You, you're too good of a girl. I'm sure you no, were. No, I went to all the all parties. parties. <laughs> but I would always try and make like clean parties. Remember, I was like, let's have an around the world where everyone's going to have a different theme room. And then it would like turn into craziness. Yes. Yeah, there was that one party that was really like, even, even Scott I and I was were like, shocked. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I think I I think I started that party and then it went awry. <laughs> but also you guys, I mean like you have such an incredible community. Like even how you're friends with people that you grew up with and your parties were unbelievable. Like every look like oh there's Sarah Jessica right. Parker. Oh, there's Matthew Brown. It was so fun. Um right. we, I mean the Saturday I mean what an amazing time. That- Yes. Yeah. Once we were right. open. Well, I had made I had made a crazy deal. I don't know how it, I forget how it came about, but Vouve Clicquot had said if you could get one bottle of champagne oh. in the hairspray, we'll supply <laughs> champagne. So I was like, oh my god! And I went to Jack. I went to Jerry. I remember saying, There's, if and one show didn't need an, an expensive bottle of champagne, it was hairspray. But 
<laughs> Jerry figured out that Clark would carry this magnum bottle in the wedding scene, and I could hear the bells. So then I would call Booth oh. Clicquot, and they said, "I said I need four <laughs> cases on Saturday," and then they would deliver them. And then those parties became like the sort of uh, mixing ground. Like I remember, I, I, I saw Jimmy Fallon recently, and I said, "Do you remember when you showed up?" at my house with your mother at four o'clock in the morning after a Saturday Night Live. And I was in the kitchen and she held out a 20 and said, I'll have a white wine spritzer. So it was that, she thought it was the bar, you know, like it was a bar that was that crowded. It looked like a club. She thought you were the bartender? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wild nights oh my on gosh. 20th Street. That yes. is so... <laughs> But we're making yeah. it sound like it was debauchery. No, I mean, it was we were great just fun. It you know, it's just we were just so excited. We were having a great fun. It was great yeah. fun. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah. yeah, we loved it. I mean, uh, yeah, just I mean that those are stories for the book, yeah. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't um, even started the hairspray. <laughs> so this podcast is um, a lot for young performers starting out. So I would love if you. I have a question for you about when people come in audition. How do you feel about riffing? Like, should people take liberties with the music or is that a no-no? <laughs> That's a Mark um, question. Well, first of all, you know, Scott and I are from a different generation. And although I think that we understand everything that is going on now, um, it's almost not for us to say anymore. There's just a whole other way of thinking about a lot of stuff on Broadway. Some of it we're not very happy about. That That is about uh, attendance records on Broadway. Uh, the, the the eight show a week kind of thing, that mantra, and that is just a thing of the past. Um, oh, and you remember, think that there started, shouldn't be eight shows no, a week? No, no. no. <laughs> people, don't, people don't seem to want to come to, the, work. to work eight shows oh. a week. <laughs> And it started on oh. Hairspray. Remember, Harvey used to keep a, a chart backstage? Yeah, I won. won. I, yeah. I was one yeah. of the winners. Yeah. I know you were. Yeah. But now there, there's a new thing so, called um, personal days that is, just drives me crazy. So <laughs> anyway, that's another But as story. far as auditions, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it depends on the song and is the songwriter in the room? I mean, that's a big, always, you know, that's a... An interesting yeah, so say you're, question. In the room, say you're in the room and somebody's coming in and singing a song. Can they make it their own? Which would you prefer? Can they make it their own or would you rather them stick to the notes that you've well, written? What happens now with us is that, you know, usually when you work with a casting director, we see the people when they're learning our stuff. Do you know what I mean? They So when they come, oh, when oh, they oh, audition oh. for us, they've learned a song from the show for the part. So, right. um, yes, on occasion... Well, say they're doing, but say like I know when I did Fly yeah. Fly Away, um, you Mark, Mark and Scott, I think you both said uh, we would love for you to riff Let a little loose. bit in It'd there. Be loose in yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I think I don't think own. there's I don't think there's an answer to that question. It it's it, it is the person fantastic? Then you know, go for it. I mean, and mm -hmm. if you can't do that, I hope you kind of know that's not my ball of wax. That's not that's what I do well. So it's really hard to answer that question because you know, I see someone it depends on the person phenomenal. and how well yeah. they yeah, like, like yeah, Natasha, okay. who's in some like some like it hot. We asked her mm -hmm. to do that because that's what they yeah, she, oh. she learned the opening song, and then I went over to the piano and I said, "Now forget about 
trying to make every note the way because she was nervous also mm-hmm. i said right, right. try to lose all your nervousness here are the words i'm playing the chords you know what the basic melody is you know think of what like what bessie smith would do with this no one ever sang the exact melody back then right. even then it, it wasn't like it is now but you listen to bessie smith or ella fitzgerald or billy holiday they are making great taking great liberties with the melodies and so that was when we cast her then when she kind of like dropped the nervousness and just started singing what you she know, made it her and, own and it, she could feel yeah. she made it mm-hmm. her own but but i'm always i i like an actor too so i you know that's yes. obviously so i, I <laughs> that's that's my next question protect your dream home with american family insurance and you can weather any storm you'll also save up to 25 percent by bundling home auto and life american family insurance Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Would you, would you rather have somebody who like sells the song amazing and maybe doesn't have the best voice or someone who just sings it phenomenally, but isn't the best actor. As you well know, Mark's never met a key change he didn't like. So uh, <laughs> there, they, there are uh, the, the, sometimes our scores require. Uh, are, have a lot of vocal demands on 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 actors. Yeah. And, and you know, when when Scott says that, I always remind him that Wicked has sixteen thousand companies for twenty years of two girls. Who can sing that score? When I went to see Wicked in previews, I was like, "How will they ever? How will the show ever run? How could they ever <laughs> tour? Who can sing like these two? And now the world has proven there are a lot of girls who can sing. I guess also listening to Edina yes. and to Kristen has made girls grow up and and finding that range that didn't yes. used to be. I mean, it used to be Ethel Merman. She belted a C and on I Got Rhythm back in like 1928 and made a sensation. Ah, yeah. holding that C. And that C, mm-hmm. for like 40, some 50 years, was like kind of like that was the high note. And then suddenly came like Mike, Andrew Lloyd well, Webber. Well, microphones. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but Andrew Lloyd Webber really started saying, you know, what else? And uh, how, how how much higher yeah, with Evita Patty, yeah. being the one that really like broke the ceiling literally uh, on 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 range, and then so mm-hmm. I mean Carrie, you you have found you with your your voice teacher, you are like the epitome of like finding how you mix, so the belt is always satisfying as a belt, but you somehow know how to place it where. I don't know. I don't even know how that stuff works. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That's so nice. Yeah, I do love it. I I love those high belts. And and Fly Fly Away um, is one of my favorite songs to sing ever. You know, I, I, when I grew up, I, you know, used to sing 
um, on my own. And I would like dream of having a song like that. And now Fly Fly Away is the song that like, you know, young girls will sing when they've been broken up with somebody or, <laughs> you know, tons of people singing right. at auditions <laughs> or singing for me. And it's so exciting. That- but I remember that first night in Seattle when you sang it. Oh my God, I'll never forget the the reaction. Yeah, that was phenomenal. And then you disappeared into the floor. That was I was always so right. terrified. I was about to say, did you lower it? Yeah. I was yes. about to say, am I making that no. up? It yes. finished and then you lowered it in like in silhouette down into the floor and the audience exploded. Yeah. That's a great yeah. memory. Yeah. It was exciting. What is it like um, for you? What is it like for you <laughs> and people like you? To, you know, well, first of all, yeah, that's my question I always ask. What does it feel like to have that voice coming out of your throat? I mean, literally, what does it physically feel like? I, I feel it. maybe it feels like flying almost. You know, you're singing that song and you're just like in another world. And I don't know, you feel the audience, especially in that song, where you feel the audience kind of sitting on the edge of their seat and you know you have them in the palm of your hand just because it's such a beautiful song and so well-written and taking them on such a journey. Um, so it is very, very exciting. I was just talk- we had a, I had a really interesting conversation with Patty about this yesterday where I said she said to me she never understood how to make the sound until she they put it she could see it where they put a camera in and she could see her vocal cords and she realized oh they're they're not here they're here you know what i mean and she then she said oh mm-hmm. well, now i understand where the placement and how to place it all because not until she realized what she could see it visually <laughs> oh, interesting um, so we don't have time for that many more Uh-oh. questions. I <laughs> want to ask you a quick question. What do you think um, is the biggest mistake actors make when they come into audition for you? Or what's like a pet peeve? Oh, I'll take that any? one. Yeah, you can take that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the biggest lesson I think people to learn is when you walk in that room, the second you walk in, mm-hmm. you are auditioning in a way. And it's your personality and who you are. Mm. Because the yes. people behind the uh, on the other side are not only, first of all, they want you to be phenomenal. They mm-hmm. want you to, to save their show and make it yeah, great. Yeah, I always say but that also, we, need, yeah. we need you just as much as you need us, even more. So. Mm-hmm. But we're also, might be picking up, oh, I don't like the way that that person just spoke to the piano player. Oh. Or when they turn your and, back to look at the yeah. music. And that that's my, my superficial <laughs> uh, advice is always, when you're talking to the piano player, go over to his side <laughs> so that you're, you're still being seen by the people uh, in the room from your front. Oh. Because so many people go over behind his back and suddenly you're getting this big shot of their butt. But it's also <laughs> part of their interaction with the piano player is, is how they yeah. work with people to me. So, uh-huh. yeah. So that's really important. Oh. I mean, and and when someone thanks a piano player, I always go like put an extra little gold mark, you know, because <laughs> I, that's what I did. I used to play, right? you know, many auditions. So that's really important. And also, the biggest thing is to not bring in a big purse with a whole bunch of stuff and a million props, because when you finish, hopefully you've done mm-hmm. well. But however you've done, you want to get out that door as right. soon as possible for your own sake. Because that awkwardness of someone still being in the room when we're all wanting to talk about it and, and, Uh you know, there's just an odd dynamic. Just get out of that room as soon as you can. 
I love that. No one's ever said that on here. That's great really? advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Last question, both of you. What advice would you give to your younger self? Stop eating. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's different. I, 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 w- I wish my younger self could tell my older self some things, you know, because when, when you're young, oh. you're kind of fearless. But and, and yes. the older you get, the, somehow the more, even no, no matter how successful you are, you get a, li- you, a little more fear creeps in all the time. So. Yeah, Scott, that was really profound. I mean, every you know, people do ask, "What would you tell your younger self?" But the idea of what would your younger self tell you now—that's really special. Yeah, because I, I was fearless when we did those shows in the village or hairspray, f- totally fearless. Like we, you know, how we fought for things and that, and so. But now it's a little more difficult that way. So, do you, Mark, do you have any advice or no? Just, just stop eating. <laughs> um, Oh, it would be the same advice I'd give myself now, which is like, do you really want to say that? Is there there someone, is there some, wait another minute and think of another way to say that to the group or the people. I mean, I think, I think my heart shows on whatever I do or say, but you know, there's always a great way to say something. And then there's that too quick way of saying something. And uh, that would be, I guess, my Continued life. But lesson. someone used to say about you, Mark, and say, "At Midler, she said you can say more in silence than anyone else can." Well, that was from the, the scowl on my face. <laughs> you say more with saying um, nothing than any person I know. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I adore you. Um, Everyone, go see Some Like It Hot. It is really what you've done with that show is phenomenal. I don't even want to tell people about it because there's so many surprises. It's different from the movie. It's the same from the movie, but also different. It has tons of surprises. It's a great, like, old-fashioned musical. The whole family will love it. My family saw it two (laughs) times. Um, and uh, also check out all of other their other shows. I feel like a lot of people don't know Catch Me If You Can, and that is like my favorite score of yours, you. actually. You. Even though Hairspray is amazing, you know I love Catch Me If You Can. Um, but thank you again thank you. so much for being with Thanks. us. Sure. Ciao. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like me to come to your school or theater group and a masterclass or a talk back, please reach out at carriebutlercoach.com. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please go to bpn.fm slash breaking broadway and subscribe, like, or share. Together you and I are breaking Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.